0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's
1: your host.
0: And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, the Summer Seminar Series keeps rolling along. And we are back talking about the movement marvels of the NFL and of football in general. And I am beyond excited to welcome somebody who's been really that somebody has been a mentor for me over the last couple of years and has been really kind of helping me discover kind of an understanding of what makes athletic, athletic performance on the field so incredible. What makes these players so incredible? I'm talking about the current, yes, the current and newly appointed pursuant of his professional doctorate at the University of Gloucestershire, but also the co-founder and co-director of education at Emergent Movement, as well as the director of athlete learning at Starter Sport Training in Minnesota. I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Tyler Yerby. Tyler, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday football podcast, my friend. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on.
1: Matt, thank you so much. The pleasure is all mine. I'm thrilled to be on. And as you were detailing kind of my duties there, I realize that I have a, a large amount. So it's 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 always fun to have to work through those. But uh hey, pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, I mean, I'm going to get right into it, Tyler. When you hear that idea, I mean, now we use vernacular all throughout sport. We talk about things like, you know, he's an exceptional athlete. He's an incredibly agile player. When I kind of presented this idea to you of movement marvels or a marvelous mover in the sense or in the context of football, what is it that immediately sprung to your mind in terms of the qualities that a great mover in a game like ours, like football, American football, what? What qualities kind of sprang to your mind? What was your first thoughts?
1: Adjustability, adjustability and adaptability. Their, their ability in a, a variety of situations to have an emergent solution or solutions that are enables them to make a tackle, enables them to make a catch and make it in unique positions. So the adjustability, the ability to have, um, you know, connection to the game itself and the game is alive and the game is dynamic and the game is Ever changing. And so, if we hope to be good in that game, we certainly need to be adaptable and be able to adjust our solutions from moment to moment, you know, depending on what the game calls for.
0: And I love it that you talk about adaptability as that central theme that really kind of resonates in your mind when you think about the game of American football. And, and I tasked you with a really tough question, knowing how extensive your exposure and experience is. I tasked you with the the ultimate question of saying, is there somebody that kind of resonates in your mind as an exceptional mover in the game of football? And and I, I was just excited when you decided to, to pick a player from the other side of the ball to talk about about. Tyler, I'm going to leave it out for you. What player did you want to discuss that you consider to have some of these qualities of an outstanding mover in the game of American football?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It was it was awesome because it was a unique task for me in the fact that I there's obviously a number of individuals that could have been chosen. And, and I, I went down a, a little bit different routes and um, I'll kind of explain why. So I chose Damian Wilson. Uh, current you know usually is a is a sam linebacker for the kansas city chiefs uh current super bowl champs 2020 so congratulations to him and the entire team i chose damien for a number of reasons first off um and we won't go over the the uh, history of myself mainly because it would take a little bit too much time i'd rather talk about damien and skill set and, and football performance but when i was at the university of minnesota as a strength conditioning coach um his last or excuse me his first Winter there was my last um, time frame at the university. Uh, Left for a number of reasons, even though it's a wonderful place to be. But I get an opportunity to interact with him quite a bit. So I've obviously followed him throughout his career. Um, I also think he has a unique career in the fact that he's moved from the Cowboys where he had a fortunate for him situation, unfortunate for Sean Lee as he went down with an injury, kind of showcased and shine how he did have adjustability, specifically with the way in which he could fight through traffic at the line of scrimmage and take the ball carrier down. That was something he was really good at at Minnesota. Um, He was primarily a Mike at Minnesota, but he did uh, occasionally play a strong side. And so for me, I chose him because of that. But most importantly, uh, I chose him because the way in which he transitioned to a new team in Kansas City and had just a breakout year, And I'm sure we'll kind of dive into some of the things I feel like he did exceptionally well and then opportunities of his.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, as we get into some of those things that we're talking about, I mean, to say he had an exceptional year um, is, is absolutely true. I mean, he had an absolute career year. I mean, he started 16 games. He had 52 solo tackles. He had 29 assisted tackles. um, He had three tackles for a loss, 81 combo tackles, 1.5 sacks. I mean, you're talking about for for the most part when you look at his career this was a standout year and he and he ended it with a ring so i mean you can't ask for much more than that but i think what's interesting about talking about a linebacker and talking about the unique kind of responsibilities problems as we talk about on this show so often take us through some of those problems from not only your perspective as a coach but also maybe what you had to do to understand the problems that he was facing to better know how to, to maybe kind of train that or look at that. What, what were some of the qualities and, and, and problems that Damien faced at the linebacker position?
1: Well, that's a great question, a big question, but a great question. let's yeah. Let's start with the problems that he faced. so the the way i the way I analyze movement, to analyze anybody that I interact with, anybody that I specifically work with as a sport movement specialist, or in this case because I haven't actually worked with Damien in a number of years. I look at what the environment offers that individual. I look at the individual and the capabilities that they have. But those individuals' capabilities—they're—they're they're not, you know, they're not stagnant. They—they're going to be ever changing because I—I I view skill as something that is adapted over time. It's not permanent. It's something that is very fluid. And so, essentially, when I look at problem solving, I look at what are the similar, what are similar type problems that he may interact with. Um, I look at. You know, him specifically, what type of defense does, you know, does he play in? You know, playing in a, in a predominant 4-3 defense as he does under a new defensive coordinator, you know, it's, it's something for me to where I know in his particular position, he is oftentimes going to be having to fill those gaps. He's going to have to bring the ball carrier down. He's responsible for that often, um, even more so than some of the other players in the field. He is going to be in coverage some. That's something that he has the capability to do. So I look at the totality of the situation. Uh, nothing occurs in a vacuum, meaning that we shouldn't analyze human behavior in a vacuum. We need to analyze it in the actual setting in which they play. In this case, when he's on the field. And so for me, particularly, I look at, you know, Damian Wilson, linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. What type of defense do they run? They run a 4-3 defense. Then we look at, and I'll go through, you know, a copious amount of film. And I usually start with what are they currently doing well? So like in him, him specifically, he has a number of things, but just to highlight some, and I mentioned one briefly already, he does a really good job with his perceptual awareness, specifically his visual perception, working across defenders, working through traffic and being able to take down the ball carrier in really tight spaces. Oftentimes, whenever his visual perception has been taken away because he has a body moving in front of him, the backer is behind that person, and he has to rely on other you know, perceptual systems such as the sense of touch or the haptic system as he is essentially working across, you know, maybe an offensive lineman that's trying to take him down, but yet he still has to be able to get that ball carrier to the ground. And so something that Damien does exceptionally well is he, he is a physical guy and you, you'll hear that, you know, his physicality is allowed for him to play the game well. He's six foot, 240-ish pounds, uh, but he also has a sense to uh, play downhill. He doesn't do a lot of catching. Uh, movement is allowing us to pick up information on a regular basis and he moves well, not the point where he's moving so far to the side to where he's out of a play, but he continues to move because that allows him to pick up information. Um, He essentially is able to be at the line of scrimmage, get to the quarterback really well by working through body orientation. Like if he's in a pass rush situation or if essentially if it's delayed situation, he works through linemen really well using their orientation of their body. So if they may be, you know, they're opening up, they're kicking back. I'm trying to work around them. He knows based off that sense of touch, based off his visual perception that he potentially could work cross space and get back underneath. Uh, to reach the quarterback, and he does that exceptionally well. So it's been really unique. So I look at the strengths first. Um, after the strengths, I start to look at, and I don't really term them weaknesses. I term them as opportunities. What opportunities um, does he particularly have? I'll, I'll stop there before I dive into the opportunities in case you have any questions on the strengths and kind of what he looks, you know, what he's doing.
0: I I think you, I think you really raised a lot of interesting points there about Damien. And and I'm wondering, you know, if you can kind of take us a little bit more inside, because I noticed that you, you you talk about, you know, movement with respect sometimes to either your own teammates movement, as well as with respect to your opponent, as well as with respect to down and distance and maybe even field position. I mean, Tyler, is it, is, is it fair that, the best movers, maybe where Damien is in terms of this particular defense. I have two questions for you. One, does the defense make the man or does the man make the defense? And number two is, is it reasonable? I mean, is that reasonable to under, is that reasonable to believe that all of these different kind of informational streams are contributing and shaping to his movement? Is that a fair conclusion? How would you address those two questions
1: out of, out of curiosity? The first one's a unique one. I have actually never been asked that question, but I, I would say that I think the, not man, but men make the defense. And I think the men make the defense, but they're they're shaped or they're constrained by the type of defense that is run. Uh, but I think that the men make it. And the reason why I answer it in that way, and you you were kind of hinting towards other defenders on the field, this obviously isn't a, a, a individual sport. This is a team sport where there's, you know, a number of bodies on the field at any given moment in time, and they all play off of one another. You know, I have an assignment. That assignment is not fixed. It's not It's not on a whiteboard, and that's the only spot that I can be. So if I'm in a cover two type defense and I have a hook to curl, you know, such as what Damien may have, I need to occupy that space, but that space is going to have a lot of information in, its, in and of itself, and it's also going to be dependent upon where my gaze and where I'm scanning and what I'm picking up, which is going to regulate how I may move within my, let's call it a sign space. So I'm playing off of other individuals. And if I know that I have, you know, a cover two and there's two deep and I've got five underneath, I, I am working in less space, but that doesn't mean that I just assume that the other individual is going to have a space. I still need to be scanning, um, what is termed by a lot of ecological psychologists as the information space. So there's not maybe one thing that is guiding my movements, such as what the running back specifically does. I still need to be scanning and picking up. You know, is that tight end going to essentially start to block and then he chips off and runs a little hitch route? I can't, I can't just rely on the fact that, oh, I covered my man, even in a man type coverage. I need to be scanning that entire information space. So um, for me, the men make the defense because they're sharing responsibilities and they are then accepting or rejecting invitations, such as invitations to fill a, a gap invitations such as bouncing the coverage a little bit deeper, or I need to now take on that blocker so I can shed that blocker and take down that ball carrier. So that'd be the first question. If you don't mind repeating the second one, I'd appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no. And I think with the second question, you know, I, am talking about, um, and, and actually to, to be very honest with you, I actually forgot my last question, but I, <laughs> I, I think what, what I'm trying to get at, and I think you've kind of answered this is that i'm trying to wonder is is that when he's when he's using on the field when he's a linebacker and he's using other informational streams around him is that something that we can consider as being a truism of playing any position on the field of football is there many different informational stream shaping his movement it's not just uh it's not just a cognitive thing it's not just something that he's memorized from the chalkboard as you stated earlier it's something that he is constantly working through is it really that dynamic of a
1: situation for the player it certainly is and that was that was actually the question that you'd ask as far as information. all right all right
0: i don't sound bad on my own show no, here we go
1: no, all right. you, you packaged that one quite nicely uh, I just rambled a bit, obviously, with my first answer, so I wanted to make sure that I, that I pinpointed your second one. Um, it certainly is. The information streams, uh, and I like kind of that's an interesting term. The information streams are certainly going to be what's guiding uh, the way in which that individual is connecting. So uh, the, the term that I, that I look at is constraints. I mean, constraints, it's pretty, pretty straightforward what that means. It's going to either um, shape or take away options uh, from occurring from that particular individual and other individuals on the field as well. And those could be individual constraints. Those could be something such as height, weight, physical capabilities. You know, you hear the term explosiveness or power. You know, he's a powerful player. Like all of that stuff does matter. But the unfortunate thing is, is oftentimes we look at it as, you know, that is the only thing that matters is that individual's capabilities. And, uh, you know, in in the ecological psychology literature, um, the way that I analyze behavior and I go back to the problem solving and, and working at what's around that individual, um, individuals perceive invitations, such as like I was talking about before, filling gaps or taking down ball carriers or capability to get there based on their own action capabilities. So in the situation of informational streams, in any situation where I've got, a, I've got a, you know, omnipresent amounts of information, you know, it's out there everywhere. And so as an individual that is already adaptable or dexterous, it's because they can pick up information that is more specific for them at that moment in time, and they can reject information that may not be something that is going to guide a successful movement solution. Such as, even though I know in a, in a 4-3 defense, it matters what the safety behind me is doing, you know, I'm not necessarily worrying about picking up him specifically. I'm looking at the offensive player the space around the offensive player the tempo in which they're moving i know the down and the distance so even prior to the snap uh, prior to the snap that information those are kind of contextual priors it's context specific information that is likely going to shape the way in which the offense chooses to call a play from the offensive coordinator to the individuals on the field so being aware of that where the ball is on the field boundaries markings all of those are task you know, constraints that are there, the equipments that's there, that's all task type constraint. And then the environmental situations, you know, is it pouring down rain and I'm playing on a grass field? Okay. Or even a, even a turf field, that's going to change the way in which I can, you know, um, move my body through space, how quickly I can put the foot in the ground and redirect and the haptic information, such as that that sense of touch that I was talking about earlier in Damian's situation, and working through what he does really well. mean, um, he did it both outside, the inside, and in a variety of different weather conditions, where he is using that sense of touch of those offensive linemen as they're sweating, as it's pouring down rain, to be able to shed them and make that tackle. So all of that is going to influence the way in which a, an individual plays and the way they pick up those invitations is based on their own action capabilities. So I think that. You know really brings into light as practitioners or as evaluators we need to look at what are their capabilities but what is around them what is going to be potentially guiding their movement and when we interact with with anything in the world there's a, there's an energy exchange there's a mutual relationship it's a reciprocal relationship so that calls you know into question as coaches if we're assigning actions to individuals telling them exactly how to behave in every situation I think we really need to take a, you know, take a you know, step back for a second and think, okay, I, I may can suggest to them this is a good spot for you to potentially be or to occupy. Like there is some explicit guidance that can be there as a sport coach, you know, specifically if you're running a particular defense. But if we're telling them how they need to tackle, how they need to behave, I would rather see slices of the game be designed allow for that individual to connect to that information in order to find their own functional solution. That way we truly have emergent decision-making, which is decision-making that occurs at that moment in time, based on the information that is available, which is continually shaping our movement.
0: I mean, there's so much there to unpack because I mean, you, you took it from the the player to the informational streams to the coaching landscape. And and I want to maybe kind of back up and say that I, it, one thing that stood out to me immediately was talking about that, you know, that haptic sense. And I think that that's something that's so interesting. Sometimes when you are playing linebacker, the idea that you are coming into contact with a, an opponent or a blocker is sometimes not disadvantage. It might be advantageous for you to better shape the movement for yourself, because that information that is coming into you, where the force, what's the trajectory of the force, where is the force acting on your own body might shape what you choose to do next. And without having it, you you may be at a loss of how to correctly leverage whatever gap it is that you're responsible for. So It's interesting to hear the haptic sense being brought into the discussion because we seem to reduce everything down to vision. So before we transition into some of his weaknesses and then kind of culminate with some maybe practical ways to take this home, both as an evaluator and as a coach, I would ask you to talk at least before we transition into some of those things that you thought may be challenges, things that are opportunities to develop. Are we overvaluing vision? When we discuss players in football, are we, are we overvaluing it or asymmetrically pointing to it as the be all and end all of that, which guides us? What, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's something that as, as a scout, as somebody who's evaluating film, we, we there are so many uh, you know times where it's alluded to vision and vision and seeing and, and, and I'm not going to say anticipation because we could, that's sure. a totally different conversation, but but we're always talking about the visual system being the biggest and most important thing. And if they didn't do it, it's because they didn't see it and they didn't understand it. So their vision is poor. So I'm wondering, where does what do you think about vision in the context of our game and what you might want to kind of throw out there in terms of your understanding or what you may caution us to maybe be aware of as we're using such terms?
1: Great question. I I think before I answer that, I'll really briefly say I think anticipation is something we should definitely dive in and maybe on another call, you know, at another time. But I will say I think that lives in the sensitivity or the attunement of the individual. So I certainly think that comes into play, but just differently than how normal individuals would maybe evaluate anticipation, such as it's a pre pre-programmed action. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's all in real time. It's shaped by the confluence of the constraints, the boundaries, the individual capabilities that are in that setting. But when we talk about perception, I think that the visual perception is arguably the strongest perceptual system. And it's something that allows for us to do some incredibly dexterous things in sport. Uh, With that being said, and I'll actually pull from literature, uh, it's, it's a paper titled The Resonance System. And what it, what they say in that paper, and it's, it's, it's just beautiful in the fact that perception is a dynamic process involving the whole body of the athlete. So notice the whole body piece. And, and, and the reason why this is important for practitioners, evaluators, coaches is if we are relying on visual perception on a regular basis, That's to say that we are potentially even stripping creativity from the haptic systems and then how valuable all the other systems, the auditory information, you know, all the sounds that occur within sport, the communication between teammates that happens. All of that is shaping the way we move too. So. With this, and i'll I'll kind of you know segue this into uh, one of the opportunities for Damien. um he is is certainly getting better at this, and I think he did a pretty good job of highlighting uh, his adjustability as a player and how he is continuing to adapt his skill, but is developing a perceptual radar, a three hundred and sixty degree perceptual radar, and that includes vision. OK, but that also means that if I need someone such as Damien to be able to utilize haptic information, what I mean by 360 degree radar is if I'm in a cover to cover three type situation and I'm going to have kind of that hook to curl, maybe working towards the flat potentially in those situations, I need to be able to scan the information space. OK, with my eyes, I need to be picking up the auditory information. So as a coach, to give a really practical example, we can't rely the game we can't rely for the game to be the teacher on a regular basis. The game is very complex. There's a lot that's going on. And even NFL players struggle sometimes with picking up information that will guide uh, successful movement solutions to emerge. So as a coach, I may create a situation where I have a 3v4 type interaction to where um, Damien is needing to be in a cover two, cover three type situation. He's needing to work his entire visual gaze and visual scanning across a setting and be able to pick up the fact that the back does not have the ball. And also they're throwing a bubble route because there's a receiver and there's a defensive back in the setting. And so I need to come downhill quickly, potentially working across um, a D or an offensive lineman that is trying to reach me in that setting to prevent me to destabilize my ability to be able to make that tackle. So I might have an offensive lineman. I might have a tight end. I might have just a D end, a running back, a quarterback, a receiver, you know, and a, and a, cornerback and myself. So eight athletes, myself being Damian as a linebacker in that setting. So I've created a little slice of the game and I changed the way in which the constraints are at play. So it's not going to be the same play every time this rote repetition where I'm expecting what's coming or essentially anticipating what's coming. Rather, I have to be sensitive to the fact that he may give the ball to that back. You know, if it's an RPO type setting, I may give the ball to that back. I may pull it and quickly Um, hit a receiver on on an alert type route, a smoke type route. And so as Damien, one thing that he can work on is he essentially can uh, work on his movement strategies and the information that he's connecting to, developing that perceptual radar in order for him to be able to pick up the ball was not given in that situation. I'm in a zone type coverage, but now all of a sudden that ball is dumped and I need to collapse downhill in order to um, assist in making that tackle. That's something I feel that he needs work on. Um, there were a number of times throughout the evaluation of the film that I was uh, you know, you know, taking in on him as we were preparing for this this call here. and just over time, even before I was preparing for the call, I just watched a lot of his film is he was he was making some good plays, but he was oftentimes caught in space and because he adapts well, he was making the tackle, but it was maybe four or five yards further down the field because he had picked up the information slower. So not that he didn't have the ability to get there, his his physical capabilities that perceptually, We have to evaluate where there's weaknesses or in this situation opportunities. So I think if he develops his perceptual radar, he's going to pick up information across the landscape, such as did they did they actually hand the ball off this time? Do I need to now collapse on a gap? Or they didn't hand the ball off. I need to be then sensitive and aware of routes that they may run in this situation because I did study film. I'm not expecting them to be in a specific spot, but I just know that shapes the behavior that actually occurs online in real time as well.
0: So, I mean, and and there's so much there again. I mean, it's just such a rich and dense topic. I mean, it makes me want to talk about some of the terms that we use to kind of couch some of the depth that you brought to the discussion. And I wonder where maybe our own, let's say, kind of blasé type of laissez-faire approach with these, these terms may lead us astray at times. We've already talked about vision um, a little bit. Um, I want to know... What about the terms when you talk about connecting to the information, being able for that player like Damien to be able to understand what's happening in front of him? We, t- we tend to couch that as football IQ, and we tend to couch that as, like we said, anticipation. What, what immediately springs to mind when you think of Damien and you think of those words, football IQ and anticipation, how do you interpret those things in the context of Damien's play?
1: All right. Let's see. With Damien specifically, and I'll kinda, I can kind of answer the way and would I you, and would
0: you, rede- And would you redefine some of those? In other words, when I say football IQ, you may think something different. So I'm curious on those levels as well, what what do you think of those terms before you even talk about Damien?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. I think I can answer kind of both of them at the same time, and I can use Damien as an example, but I'll kind of toggle back and forth a little bit. Um, you know, the, the word football or the term football IQ to me just means, to me, it means being sensitive to information that actually exists in the sport of football. So what, what I mean by that is, is when I say information, let, let me give you a, pr- a really practical example of Damien specifically. And another area that I do in fact feel that he is getting better at, but certainly can use some work in is in one V one situations. Let's say it's near the numbers, making a tackle on a ball carrier, you know, in the open field, I can specifically think of one with Saquon Barkley where he was in the open field and was unable to actually bring him down. Not saying he couldn't or didn't have the capability to, but what I mean by information is information is something that exists in that sport. So let's say I'm Damien and I I don't know, it's been a while since I've I've connected with him, but my guess is he works a whole heck of a lot because he does work incredibly hard on his linear sprinting capability. Okay. Not saying that there isn't some fruit there or there isn't some value there, but if I am going to be just sprinting and potentially even sprinting and then tackling an immovable object, such as a bag, a bag doesn't tackle back. A bag doesn't move. It doesn't try to elude me at all. It's not trying to be evasive in any particular way. The orientation of a ball carrier, such as a ball carrier carrying the ball, making sharp type cuts, the nuances of how they may use their eyes to peek to a particular space. So if we flip this real quick, running backs I work with, I will talk about using eyes to peek away from a space that you're now needing to move to. So we may peek to a particular space in order to create separation to move to a space that's entirely opposite from where you just were peaking. And what that essentially is doing is being deceptive within movement. Because if I'm sensitive to that information as a defender, I'm going to be able to pick up on the orientation of that defenders or that uh, offensive ball carrier's body. So when I go back to the bag example, There's no body orientation that's there. So if I'm fast, that's all wonderful. But if I didn't pick up the speed in which that ball carrier was moving, maybe the way in which they were using their visual perception to work downfield, and you'd be surprised in how many individuals that play at that level um, will camp their their sight exactly where they want to go, whether it's at the quarterback level, whether it's at the running back level, they will essentially telegraph or give away what they're doing. So information that exists in the sport, like I said earlier, it's omnipresent. It's everywhere. How, as a coach, can I then channel it? So in that specific situation, there are easy ways in which ball carrier gets the ball. Let's say it's on a wheel route. Let's say it's a receiver on a bubble. Let's say it's on a toss-type sweep situation. It could be something as simple as a 1v1. Damien is having to move at at a high speed or even varying speeds and and from varying angles in an attempt to take down that ball carrier. Now, I know a lot of the listeners out there may be thinking, well, we we don't want high contact. We don't want injury. I have questioned, I can't tell you how many of my athletes, and I have specifically asked them, being very inquisitive and curious with it, does this seem game-like to you? Okay, The term we use is representative task design, or does the information that exists there, does it seem real to you? And the answer is, in this situation, even if they're two-handed, a firm two-handed tag-off, they're like, it, it seems very real. The speed is similar to the game in which I play. So even though I may not be going through the actual tackle itself, I am converging in that 1v1 dyadic situation on that ball carrier, whether it be receiver, running back, the like, in efforts for me to close space on him, maybe I'm using the boundary and I can start to work my perceptual scanning to where I'm not just focusing on the trunk. The trunk will tell you a lot, but if I'm just focusing there and I'm not picking up, what I mean by pick up, I'm not actually seeing or connecting to with my ears, with my eyes, any of what their eyes are doing, their head's doing, where they may be looking, the sharpness of which they may put the foot in the ground. If I put my foot in the ground really sharp, and as a defensive player such as Damien out in the open field around the numbers, or even in the you know just in the flats in general, if I'm able to see a sharp cut, likely he's going to be trying to work back across space. So I need to interact with that information all the time. And if we're only running straight ahead in practices, or we're doing individual drills where it's decontextualized, it separates what the actual athlete uses, such as I'll give you an example, a a, a W drill uh, for a defensive back. There's no body in front of me. The way in which I organize my behavior is going to be based off, partly anyway, off how that individual is moving in front of me. So for me, if I'm working with Damien, I'm creating slices of the game that have information that's scaled to be less complex, such as him converging on that ball carrier. And let's say he's unsuccessfully doing it on a regular basis in practice. As the coach, that doesn't mean I just Forget the activity because the activity is done slightly different each time. Anyways, with speeds, you want to have different people carrying the ball because different individuals move differently. It's allowing for him to pick up that rich information to guide movement. I'm going to ask maybe that back to move at a 70 to 80% speed. Now you might be asking, why would I ask that? It slows, the infor- it slows that informational pickup down or, or excuse me, speeds it up a little bit because the speed has been slowed down a little bit. It allows for that backer to maybe pick up the way in which the shoulders are turned maybe what the head's doing, how the body is essentially oriented at that moment in time. It may allow for them to go back to that information space that I talked about. It may allow for that linebacker to now pick up the information such as, where is the boundary in this situation? Can I work him into the boundary to use as a different defender? So now if we trace back to how a lot of activities are designed, we're tackling a bag. There's no awareness whatsoever of where there is a de- uh, uh, the uh, boundary is in space, whether may, there may be another defender on the field. Um, So there's a lot of this is going to shape the way in which I move. And so in short, I need to interact with slices of the game because if we rely on the game to be the teacher and I only have four opportunities in an entire game where I have to make a tackle on the ball carrier and I miss three of them because I've only had four chances to interact with that information, I'm going to be in a really challenged spot. So as a coach, I want to channel or we use the word constrained to invite or actually constrained to afford what what is that invitation there for you at that moment in time as that individual
0: and so i mean everything that you just talked about with regards to you know the informational exchange the exchange between basically the player in the game and learning to unpack that it makes me want to ask you as a as a coach as a scout what would be some of those enduring understandings that you would want to kind of leave people with as they kind of progress further, because the whole point of the summer seminar series is for us to kind of explore the corners of the room. Let's look a little deeper. Let's see what we're missing. And I think that what was so rich about your insights is that everything matters. It's not just one thing or another, or it wasn't just reading your key wrong, or it wasn't just um, mistakenly making a cognitive error about the play design. It could be a number of things, So my question to you is, and you've alluded to this already, and you've said it explicitly several times, but if you could kind of recap for both, you know, evaluators and coaches, that process of beginning to understand what might be perceived, because many people argue with me all the time, how do you know what they're thinking? And I say, and I always say to them, well, I don't think I know what they're thinking, but I know what they're doing on the field and linked to what they're doing is what they're thinking. They're, they're completely inseparable. So, I mean, to, to kind of begin to address those concerns, Tyler, what would you say to that person as we kind of begin to wrap up this show in the next few minutes or so? What would you say to that person that says, well, you don't know what they're thinking? I mean, so how can you begin to, to take this standpoint? Because you have no idea what they're perceiving or doing in terms of, you know, the information on the field. It all sounds perfect, but we don't know what they're seeing, right? What would you say to that person?
1: Uh, well there's a there's a number of things. I think first off, and I'm not saying every athlete at the nFL level uh, does this specifically, but i I can be pretty confident in saying that. They they study, meaning that they they are they're aware of where they're being told they should be, or where they you know they need to be in a particular situation. So if that's the case, well, then why are there so many missed tackles? Why are there so many interceptions? Why are there so, why do these let's call it mistakes happen in the game if we're working at the highest level of the individual? And that's because the information is dynamic. The game is complex. It's like I said earlier. It's not drawn up on a whiteboard. It's the first thing I would say to to anybody that's listening here is. We need to understand that nothing occurs in a vacuum. Everything that is essentially um, playing on that situation, such as the number of bodies in that particular space, such as the tempo of a particular offense, okay, all of that is going to shape how that individual moves, the environment, the weather in in that situation. So I think that's number one is look at the entire picture. Don't just take that and look at just the particular individual and say, oh, he moved wrong. His angle wasn't good there. Well, why, maybe ask yourself, why did he take that particular angle? Whether he made the tackle, whether he didn't make the tackle. If he didn't make the tackle, we don't want to just look at a single situation. Like, for example, when I watched Damien specifically, I looked at, when I made the mention of he needs work in those cover two, cover three situations where he's having to take down a ball carrier out in open field in 1v1. It wasn't just me seeing it one time and going, oh, he didn't do that right. It was because I saw it happen several times to where what is, what is he missing there? I think some of what he is missing there, I think he's missing and not being able to pick up the information because the speed is greater and he is now having to adapt his solution while he is moving at great speed. Because what he does exceptionally well is he adapts his solutions whenever he is not moving as rapidly and he has more haptic information that is available. So the totality of that perceptual system is what he is really good at. He needs work on that actual speed component of it being able to take down the ball carrier. And so that's number one number two, uh, you know I think for me, um, I know we need to as as coaches, we need to collaborate more and we need to understand that there isn't some representation that lives in the brain to where everything that could potentially occur in life is now stored somewhere, rather it's how sensitive we can be to the information and I would actually pose the question um, you know to the listeners out there when you hear. Commentators, when you hear coaches and they say, well, they're, you know, in preseason, let's say in the NFL or maybe even in college football in the first couple of games, they're, they're not in sync yet. They're not, they're not moving well together as a team. Why is that? Why, why is that the case? I think the reason that's happening is because they haven't interacted with football and slices of football because every athlete's different and some slices are going to be too complex for other individuals. There's too many bodies in the space the speed is too great, Okay, the weather conditions are too harsh, or they just don't simply have the physical capability, I think it's because they aren't interacting with the game. And so the reason, in my opinion, for this emerging position, such as a sport movement type specialist that looks at how is an athlete actually learning, learning to learn to move and being able to adapt their their situation or their solutions over the course of game or essentially games having transfer is they're interacting with slices of the game in the off season. They're interacting in those slices of the game during individual periods. I was on a call just before this, and we were talking about how would I, as a coach, okay, for any particular position, let's say it's for a linebacker coach here, how would I operate if I had 20 minutes? I have four periods. What am I going to do in that time? I can guarantee I'm going to have another body in front of me because we then need to ask ourselves, what is skill? Skill is something that is, that is adapted over time. Skill is something that is fluid, is dynamic. The information is important. So if I don't have a body in front of me and I'm teaching a first step, well, that, that step might be longer, might be shorter, might open up more rapidly based off of how quickly the ball carrier is moving, how tight the, uh, the gaps are as far as the uh, offensive line. All of that's going to change. So technique is linked to information. Information is available in football. We need to create slices of the information in order for the athlete to then become attuned or sensitive to the information in order for them to make more tackles, pick off balls more. So, um, and then the last thing I'll leave you with is, and I won't say names here, but working with two athletes, uh, right now, both of which are pretty high level individuals, one of which is a great, great guy. And he's a phenomenal player. He hasn't been with me as of late. He's been at a different facility and I don't have it all figured out by any means. And then the other individual is actually a buddy of mine. And, uh, what that athlete said to his coach was, I knew where he was going each time. And the reason why was because he was camping his eyes on that receiver. So for me as a coach, how can I then potentially influence that situation? When we're talking about an NFL caliber athlete here, I don't need to tell him don't do that. Of course, he's not trying to do that. I can educate his intention, meaning how he aims to interact with the problem, making note of you potentially could pick up the information such as the speed. You know what route, let's say he's running a 12 yard dig. He's running a 12-yard dig route. Maybe I have another type crossing route. I, I have a glance at him, but then I move my eyes, scanning to see where the defensive players are. And I realize I'm, I'm now moving past the linebacker position. Please forgive me. Uh, but I'm now, I'm now moving my eyes. I'm picking up information. Then I pick him up. I'm able to connect to that receiver and make a successful play. But that, that other position that I'm talking about in this situation, he picked up very quickly that he was adapting his skill set From play to play. And he was giving away all these tells because he was perceptually sensitive to what this individual was doing on the opposite side of the ball.
0: You know, and and I'm, and I know that I wanted to make that succinct, but I mean, you just said some really interesting things that I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask you about before we parted ways. A lot of coaches, uh, including myself, I'm just as guilty of this before. I mean, you would always kind of remark on technical errors and I love how you kind of couched it. And tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm hearing it as a technical error. Technique itself is only as correct as your ability to understand the situation that you're in, whether it be there is no significant, there's no particular model that needs to be satisfied. Am I I fair in saying that? Is
1: that something that is... True. Well, that, you put that rather nicely in the fact that it's going to be there's there's not a particular model now I do want to make mention that there there are key performance indicators like there's a bandwidth if I am extremely wide with my stance I, i'm not going to be able to move very well from side to side now how wide is too wide it's going to be dependent on that individual it's going to be depending on their height their ability to be able to get out of that position so that's why as coaches we have to look at what do these athletes have as far as capabilities? But then also, it's not just the physical motor capabilities. It's perceptually, you know, because you may have athletes that are not nearly as fast in this 40-yard dash. That they still, for some reason, continue to run. But then they are getting to the ball carrier really quickly. Well, why are they getting there? They're picking up the information beforehand. So for me, they're still in situations where if they're moving in a very superfluous way, And that superfluous way is not solving very many problems. Let's just say it's 10 situations. In that example I gave you in a 1v1 situation, maybe it's even more than 1v1. Maybe it's a 3v3 and Damien's having to fight through an offensive lineman that's trying to reach him in order to take down the ball carrier. Okay, And then that ball carrier is being influenced of what gap he may choose as an emergent decision based off of the receiver and the receiver trying to block the defensive back. Because let's now start to look at that larger slice of the game. Then I need to be able to interact with that slice. And if I, as a coach, am starting to see six times, seven times, you know, where they're not making that tackle, that's whenever I may need to step in and say, Hey, in this situation, maybe attempt moving a little bit faster as you're, you know, looking to take down that ball carrier or let's get your eyes up, stay alive and connected to it. Let's see what the upper extremity is doing, you know, rather than it being just focusing and camping that gaze in one particular area, you know, and so for me, I'm just making suggestions. We view ourselves uh, more so as a guide. You know, just not the bearer of all truth. Because if we were the bearer of all truth, that would mean that we know how every individual behaves across platforms. And then oftentimes every individual should behave in that particular way. So it's a co-adaptive relationship, a two-way street between any coach, sport coach, and they're in a perfect situation because they're the ones that are running the practice versus it being me as a sport movement specialist that is in the off season studying film for that particular team, offense, defense, and then creating what I feel like can fill the gaps of the opportunities they have. That way they're interacting with the information more often. And then the things that they're already successful with, I want to then ramp that complexity up to then make it to where we can have that solution or those solutions become more stable. So that way it emerges more often.
0: I don't know where to go with that other than to say, It is so rich and dense to unpack that. What I love about what Tyler brings to this space is a totally different perspective, a perspective – That We've heard over a number of years on the summer seminar series, but I think that in terms of the linebacker position, Tyler, this was certainly something that has gotten me going back to the film and trying to look at the problems from a different lens and a different perspective to truly maybe appreciate more, not only the player I'm observing, but also the way in which the context of the game shapes the way that player is actually moving.
1: Uh, the last thing I, I'd like to, to add in there specifically because uh, you, you touched on a few key points there. Number one, for everyone out there that's listening, learning is messy and mistakes are going to happen. And let's view those mistakes as opportunities. Number two, let's view the entire situation and that view that situation as a problem or an activity that the athlete is attempting to solve and solve that problem, that problem repetitively. Okay. Not rote repetition, to where it's dynamic, it's fluid, they're solving slightly different problems each time. And then number three, let's think about as, as the sport coaches out there or, you know, whoever that is working with these athletes, how could I potentially change maybe one thing? If I change, if I were to change one thing to where maybe it's more contextual towards the sport of football, that way the behaviors that then emerge from that athlete or those athletes are more game-like, what's one thing that I could take away from this particular call and change? And, and you know, and, and I, I would be really curious to see what, uh, what their findings are.
0: He is the co-founder and co-director of education at Emergent Movement. And if you are not familiar with Emergent Movement, I've taken their course underpinnings, which is something that has really transformed my understanding of sport, not just football, but all sport. And it has even transcended sport to even other areas of my life. Their course called underpinnings is something that is not for the the faint of heart. It is somebody who has to be invested, but I think the investment will pay dividends way, way beyond just your career as a coach, but even beyond that into other areas of your life. It certainly has done that for me. And Tyler has been a tremendous mentor for me um, as I've been going on this journey. And Tyler, I mean, somebody listening to this has said, wow, you know, I'm going to have to listen to this on probably half speed to make sure I keep up with everything that was thrown around. And I, I would implore those people to come and find you and find your work. Where can they kind of connect with you? How can they connect with you? And what would you what would you kind of tell them as they kind of move off into the sunset? What can they do to maybe begin to unpack some of these ideas for their own?
1: Well, well, first off, I mean, I, I'll say it again, but thank you so much for having me on. And, and I will say that one of the things that's very enlightening about um, a different approach to learning, such as an ecological dynamics approach, which is, you know, kind of the, the vehicle that we currently, it could potentially change because we're ever adapting creatures as well. Um, it, it's something that we don't have all the answers. However, we truly want to investigate the major problem. And, you know, through, at Emergence, Emergence, the company name, our, our uh, website is Emergent, E-M-E-R-G-E-N-T movement but spelled mvmt.com. Emergentmovement.com is our website. Uh, we have a blog series on there where we really start to unpack some of these ideas and not just from the sport of football for, but from you know sports across the spectrum. And then on uh, Twitter and on Instagram we're on Facebook as well, but a lot uh, you know a lot more you know interactive on Twitter and Instagram is emergent movement or at emergent movement my personal is at Tyler Yerby, last name Y-E-A-R-B-Y. I'm happy to engage. I think the biggest thing is uh, you mentioned underpinnings. Yes, it's certainly where it's, it's packed. It's not something that needs to be understood in a week. It's something to where I go back and view it and I still start to you know, I take notes on it and start to think about you know, what, what could I do with this information. Secondarily, we have movement meetup calls, which are essentially a think tank. Um available with every single purchase. This isn't what this call is about, but you brought it up, so I thought I'd mention it. Well, absolutely. it's a huge, it's yeah. a huge thing to know about. yeah, and, and and what it's about is essentially these movement meetup calls. what they're for, they're they're for the the you know entire community to come together to ask questions, to be able to be okay going, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. What's one takeaway I could you know I could have from this situation so how could I then apply that? It's an opportunity, a platform, For individuals across the world, because we're in nearly 20 countries right now, how can maybe I take something from equestrian or ice climbing or soccer, you know, and and work with that in American football? And I think that the individuals that are listening would be surprised at how much they can take away. We have a handful of other courses. We have a bite-sized course called uh, Ecological Dynamics for Dummies. And what this is essentially just gives you an idea of how you can start looking at human behavior in a different light and looking at the entire situation versus looking at just the individual. And Matt, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a true pleasure.
0: I I can't, again, I cannot speak highly enough for everything that they are doing at Emergence. Um, I am intimately familiar with all their work. I've put my time, my resources, my own money on the table to take their classes because I believe very much in the framework. And I think that's very important. As Tyler pointed out, it's a framework. It's not a set of laws. It's, it's a, it's a way of thinking or viewing the world around you. And I, and I think that they're, what makes them so wonderful is that those movement meetup calls are exactly what he described. They're think tanks. People have to be courageous enough to be able to make mistakes in that. And those calls, I, sometimes I leave those calls with, absolutely new, new and different ideas and perspectives on old ideas that I thought I had an idea about, but now all of a sudden I'm thinking differently and I really cannot advocate more uh, for their work and what they're putting out. Tyler, again, thank you so much. And to everybody out there um, who are going through these times, these challenging times, our thoughts and our, our well wishes are with you and your family. And for everybody here at Saturday to Sunday, we want to wish you thanks and also also thank you for your time and spending that time with us. For So for everybody here on behalf of myself and Tyler, please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.